Digging Deep into Lightroom with Jeff Carlson. This is Mac Voices. Today's Mac Voices is supported by Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Go to factormeals.com slash macvoices50 and use the code macvoices50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, Jeff Carlson is back. This time, we're going to talk about another one of his new projects. He's been sort of out of circulation for a little while. This is why, or the last couple projects are why. Um, and so, Jeff, first, welcome back. It's great to see you. I'm, I'm glad you survived. <laughs> Thank you. It's always great to be back. It's always great to survive. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true, too. So this time, uh, you have a new book on Adobe Lightroom. I'm not even going to pretend to try to to go through the title. I'm just going to let you tell us what it is, because that way it will be sure to be right. Yes. Okay. And and the funny thing is, you'll notice that I'm I, I'm looking over to make sure I get this right. Um, so the, <laughs> you're, you're so cheating. The, I could have done that. <laughs> I'm totally cheating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. You can just edit this so that I look like I I know exactly what I'm talking about at all times. Um, so this is a book. It's part of a series published by Rocky Nook, and it is called Adobe Lightroom: A Complete Course and Compendium of Features. It sounds sort of old timey, but um, basically what it is, is the, 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 the course and compendium, we just call it Lightroom course and compendium. Um, it's, it, it's actually a really cool idea for a book. So the first part of the book, I would say like maybe a quarter to a third is a course. And it's, it's a course in the sense of you download the files that I made available and you walk through all the different steps that I that I show in order to learn basically how to use Lightroom Classic and do it really like I'm just standing there holding your hand telling you what to do. And in that sense, you're learning about a lot of the different concepts, the the, the basics of how Lightroom works. Um, you're getting to do hands-on stuff with say masks or, you know, color adjustments. And you're doing it without having to kind of make that interpolation of, all right, this is how the book says this works. And I'm going to apply this to one of my images, but it doesn't quite look the same because I'm not using the same kind of image. So having the exact reference photos, I think makes a big difference because you see exactly what I'm describing and what, you know, this change is the effect that this change is having on this image. So it's real consistent. So very much, you know, like I said, it's a course. It's it, it's like if, you know, we went into a classroom and I, I taught this in person. And then the compendium, which is the rest of the book, that's sort of the more meat of, all right, you've learned the mechanics of how to do these things. Let's get into more detail. Let's learn more about how the, the hue saturation um, luminance sliders work. Let's do some more complicated masking. Uh, let's learn how the print module works and color spaces and, you know, all of that stuff that you, I think in, in other books, and I can say this because I've written these other books, the idea is you come to a section and there's a whole lot of, of detail about it. And you really just want to know a little bit, but then you, you get into it and you realize that, Oh, 
what I'm doing is not giving me the result that I think it should. And so then you have to like dig into it and having that, that, that resource so that, you know, you can start with a course and you say, this is a really interesting feature. This masking feature is really cool. I know how to do it on this one picture. Now, how do I apply that to other things? And how do I use subtraction masks and intersection masks and that kind of stuff? And then, you know, you have that as a reference. You're right. I like this because it's, I mean, there's definitely something to be said of said for the almost the recipe books, if you will, that okay, mm-hmm. if, if I do this, you know, if, if I combine this, this, and this, I get this. That's great. But the idea that for a lot of people, and that's, that's what a lot of people want to do, but for those who want to dig in and really understand what's going on under the hood so that maybe then they can make their own recipes, this is, this is perfect. This is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the way we learn something oftentimes is sort of show and tell. And so it's one thing to know that, all right, if I increase the exposure, everything's going to get brighter. Well, like, what does that mean? Like, is it just the white areas? Is it all the dark areas? And so being able to see exactly what that result is on this specific image that you downloaded and you're working on with me in the book, that helps to solidify the concept so that then you can take that into your own images and you can look at, at, at a shot that you took and say, okay, I can see that this image is underexposed. Should I use the exposure slider? But we can see back here that maybe that's too much. Maybe I should start with the whites slider. Maybe I should increase the, the highlights, you know? So those sort of, uh, fine editing points are usually not something that, that if you were to just open up Lightroom Classic right now, you'd probably just be a little overwhelmed if you've never used it before. You've had people say, oh, you know, Lightroom is the best. This is what the pros use. And you're like, yeah, great. I'm all set for that. And then you're lost because there's a lot there. So the, the idea is this, you know, works you into it. Okay, so you just <laughs> one of the one of the words that I've I've I, I hesitate to bring this up, but I think we almost have to, especially yeah. in in light of a book like this, Lightroom Classic. Right, so ah, yes, there, there are, and and you and I have touched on this a little bit before about the confusion that Adobe created when they started releasing different versions of Lightroom. There were some good reasons for it. There probably still are some good reasons. Has any of mm-hmm. it straightened out? Does it does it make any more <laughs> does it make any more sense to us, or is that one of the things we really need the book to fully understand? Um, you don't need it to fully understand, but it is good to know sort of the, the basic structure. And this is this is covered right at the beginning. Um, I think part of what, and we've talked about this before. Um, part of what Adobe did is their naming confused their products. The good news part of this is that they've been consistent about their naming for several revisions. So it's, 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 it's fairly locked in. Here's how it breaks down. So you have Lightroom Classic, and that is basically the Lightroom that has existed since the very first version of, of Lightroom. And it is the, like, 
the daddy of the um, Lightroom ecosystem. And it has the most number of features and it's been around the longest. And it is sometimes it can be more resource intensive. And for a long while, kind of in the middle, uh, it was really kind of slow and pokey. Fortunately, they've done a lot of work on that. So it's not as slow and pokey as it used to be. But there are things that there, you know, some photographers will never use in that, in that program. There are certain modules. We can get back to modules in a minute. So then Adobe created Lightroom, which they called Lightroom CC, but now is sort of informally, semi-formally referred to as Lightroom Desktop. Excuse me. Um, it's Lightroom Desktop. And what Lightroom Desktop is, this is the one that is sort of cloud-focused. So when you import things into Lightroom Desktop, your images get synced to the cloud, to Creative Cloud, Adobe Creative Cloud. And that makes them available on all of your devices. And I think part of it too is that Lightroom Desktop was just built from a brand new code base. So everything is more modern, less creaky. And I know it's not really fair to say creaky, but in terms of, you know, what's under the hood, there's just a lot of a lot of old code that has had to be, you know, recycled or updated. And you, you can't just do that all at once. And so I think Lightroom Desktop is the answer to do that all at once because they wanted this cloud capability, but they couldn't just like force it into Lightroom Classic. There are some cloud stuff there, but it's not, it doesn't work in the same way. So that's Lightroom Desktop. <laughs> and then there's also the Lightroom mobile app. So you have uh, an app for the iPad and then phones. There's an Android version and there's also an iOS version. And the mobile versions are much more like Lightroom Desktop. And I think, you know, the idea was like, that's the sort of modern ecosystem. And when this first happened, people were like, oh, no, they're going to kill Lightroom Classic and replace it with Lightroom Desktop, which doesn't have as many features. And the world is going to end and everything's on fire. Um, this is typically how a lot of photographers think um, <laughs> it including myself um, it, it, when this was first announced it, it didn't look like that however to Adobe's absolute credit um, they've just kept these as separate ongoing projects and so um, you know when there's a big update Lightroom Classic gets the features Lightroom Desktop gets the features the Lightroom mobile apps get the features and so they've done a really good job of recognizing that there are a lot of photographers who use Lightroom uh, Classic. They've used it for a long time. They know it. They don't necessarily need to sync things to the cloud. And I think, I mean, I have no insight into their, their marketing numbers or anything, but I think that's still the primary audience is the Lightroom Classic. And then the Lightroom desktop is more trying to attract new users, less uh, complexity, but also a lot of the same power. So that's it. It's pretty simple. Okay. I, I don't want to waste too much time on this because we want to talk about all the other cool things about Lightroom. But I, but I kind of do have to ask um, yeah. if, they've, if they've kept – it sounds like they started out with – let me see if I got it right. Desktop being a bit handicapped, but then from what you said, the, the feature parity has been pretty even. That is, new things get added. 
is there a significant reason to to stay with um, classic? Classic, or is um, there? I mean, obviously the cloud thing. You know that that's a really good reason to use desktop. But is there yeah. a compelling reason if I'm somebody new starting out with this that I would go back and well, see, there you go. That's my characterization. <laughs> Sorry, um, yeah. that I would choose classic over desktop. Um, I think it, a lot of it goes back to what you want to do with your photography. So all of the core features, so all the editing features, color, light, masking, um, you know, geometry, like all of those are the same in both apps. What Lightroom Classic has is like a full print module. Actually, uh, Lightroom Desktop doesn't have a print option at all. Because it's 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 you know cloud focused, it, it's more with the expectation that you're going to save files out and maybe share them online, or maybe you know print them using like an Epson printer utility or something. But like the print module in Lightroom Classic, it's it's extensive. Like you can make uh, proof prints, you can make uh, you know uh, sheets with various. Um, I always forget the name of it. I shouldn't, but um, basically, you know, proof sheets that have, you know, all a bunch of different sizes that you can then cut up or, you know, different variations. Um, it has like a really robust interface for printing to good color printers. So you, you can get like a frameable print and be able to adjust some of the parameters in the print module. So for example, on screen, it looks great, and you print it, and it ends up being dark because you're 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 going from something that's backlit to ink on paper, and there are ways to, you know, um, make that adjustment without completely adjusting the version that you made for the screen. Um, and then there's also other things like um, there's a there's a web module that will let you build websites. Um, but I don't cover that in the book because I don't know a single photographer who actually uses it, but that's, that sort of shows the legacy of it because at one point you wanted to just build like, and when I say build website, I mean, you're generating the HTML files that you could then put on a server to make a portfolio, that, that sort of thing. Um, but there's also like, like a really robust mapping module, um, the Lightroom desktop, it'll honor the location data in the photos and it'll give you like a little, little tiny map. But there are so many things you can do in Lightroom Classic if you want to be able to organize <laughs> car, if you want to be able to organize images uh, based on where they were shot. And, you know, like I want all the photos in this you know, 20 mile diameter and like all of that. So I think. This is going to be completely unfair of me to say, but um, I think your more quote unquote serious photographers tend to gravitate more toward Lightroom Classic. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is because that's what they've used for years. I think a lot of uh, newer photographers, like if you were going to start scratch, I would say start with Lightroom Desktop and then build from there. That's kind of the 
that's like the long answer to what should be a short answer, but is the question that we have to ask. <laughs> and well, and, and I should point out um, on top of all that, because of that complexity, uh, the book primarily like the book covers all of the editions, but it's mostly focused on Lightroom classic because I think that's still the biggest market. And it, uh, it includes Lightroom mobile in some areas where we're talking about, you know, syncing to the cloud, or if there's something noteworthy about a feature that looks different on say the iPad or the iPhone. Um, and Lightroom desktop is mentioned as needed, but some of the, you know, basically if you're covering like the core color features or the masking features, those are going to work the same way in Lightroom desktop. They just might look slightly different. And since we didn't want to put out like a 700 page book, that's really repetitive, like, okay, here's how you do it in Lightroom classic. Now let's reach over to Lightroom desktop and here are all the same steps, but different screenshots. That was just going to be madness. So, so the book itself is mostly Lightroom Classic, but it does bring up details about the others. Today's Mac Voices is supported by Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Factor is ready to help you take full advantage of summer by delivering flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals right to your door. You will save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your healthy eating goals. I got home late one night over the weekend, but didn't want to order takeout or pickup. Factor had me covered with my latest favorite, jalapeno lime cheddar chicken with spicy cilantro cauliflower rice. Oh, and a strawberry banana smoothie for dessert. Quick, easy, and delicious, it sure beat the fast food options. Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. This July, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash macvoices50 and use the code macvoices50 to get 50% off. That's code MacVoices50 at FactorMeals.com slash MacVoices. And use the code MacVoices to get 50% off. Thanks to Factor for their support of MacVoices. I've overwhelmed you. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. no, no. I, I Listen, for the, okay. for, for the first time, I think it makes a, a certain amount of sense um, as to, you know, I, 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 we could do a whole discussion on the wisdom of, of this. But at the end of the day, at least now, I understand, I hope the listeners and, and viewers will understand that the differences and why you might want to pick one over the other. I will ask one last question, I promise, and then we'll yeah. move on. But okay. are the are the files created by each version interchangeable? Mostly. That's uh, – well, no, 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 no. I okay. mean – that is actually an amazing question. Um, and, and uh, you know, if, for people who <laughs> – this is funny because for, for people who may have seen our episode about uh, take control of managing your files, um, the way they handle files is a little bit different. And so the, the, the short version is this. Um, if you know nothing about Lightroom, basically Lightroom 
will keep track of your entire photo library and also have options for editing your images so that you don't have to worry about dealing with files and folders and renaming things in the finder. Like all that is, is taken over by Lightroom. Lightroom Classic, you have more flexibility as to where things are stored. So if you want to have, um, you know, images on several different hard drives, uh, it, it knows how to get to those. Uh, Lightroom Desktop is a little more self-contained. It's not as, as open in terms of the files. Like preferably, it actually, it acts a lot like, like the Photos app, uh, the Apple Photos app, in that it wants to just sort of keep everything in one spot and manage it from there. And there are options you can, you know, store, like for example, um, you know, my, my laptop doesn't have enough internal storage for all my images. And so I have an external hard drive and Lightroom desktop knows that when that's connected, it moves the, the images onto there and references them from there and from the cloud. But, um, yeah, see, I've already, I've already spun out into, into complexities. Basically, um, no, you shouldn't have to worry much about files and things because Lightroom will do all of that for you, except when there are complications and those are addressed in the book. Okay. How's that? All right, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, this seems like a, a such a hot topic that I would be remiss if I didn't address this. Are do are there any AI components to any of the Lightroom uh, flavors? Oh yes, yes, oh, and yes. actually, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, this is actually. How how hyperbolic do I want to be? Um, <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I think there's actually um, uh, one of these chapters um, when I talk about the masking feature. Uh, it is I said something like like I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but this is the most hyperbolic ever. Um, and what I mean is is that so there are AI-based masking features that uh, no, no fooling have changed the way I use Lightroom and have significantly changed the way a lot of people edit their images in Lightroom. Um, it's, it can be transformative once you understand how they work. And I know that sounds like a, I mean, it, it sounds like a marketing point, right? This will change everything. This feature, this new version, but um, the stuff that it can do, and and what it basically boils down to is that it's using AI to do more accurate um, masks, so more accurate selections. So, for example, let's say we have a picture. Um, let, let's say I have a portrait of you. And I want to, you know, just make some, some general edits. Um, I want the background to be a little bit darker. Maybe it's, you know, we took it in a, uh, an outdoor park or something, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the background. Um, what you used to have to do is either send it off to Photoshop and deal with a bunch of layers, um, which you can still do, but that's like, for a lot of people, they're like, no, 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 no. I don't want layers. I don't want Photoshop. I'm, I'm just editing my images here. 
what um, what the masking then can do is oh wait, wait, let me take one more step back. Um, what we used to have to do is I would say all right I want to select the background. Well that would mean like grabbing a little brush and painting around and where the edges were where you are maybe it would be more difficult to like get your hair. Like if you have like a a strand of hair or your ears or your clothing and it was just a whole lot of work. Now you can literally click a select background button and Lightroom will just select the background and it'll put you like really accurately selected, even the hair and all of that. So I can make a mask and say, all right, I'm just going to, change that one area. So I'm going to make the background darker. And now I I realize, well, maybe, um, you know, your face was a bit in shadow. So I want to bring that up so I can click select subject and increase the, the general lightness in just for you. And, and again, it's making a, a selection that is super accurate. And then I say, okay, well, this is a portrait. And we want to sort of make the, the, the most pleasing version of a portrait. And one of those aspects would be like doing some editing to the person's eyes. Maybe you want it to be like just a little bit lighter, have a little bit more sparkle in them, because that's what we look at when we look at, at, at photos of people. So what I'd have to do then is like make a little radial uh, masking adjustment and a lot of basically like hand time intensive work. Now I can just say like, I can literally either click a button that says, uh, you know, eyes and make an adjustment that just applies to your eyes. Or there are even these adaptive presets that will let me say, just make this portrait of a person better. And, and it will just automatically create a whole bunch of masks for your eyes, for your like facial skin, for your clothing, uh, for your hair. And so I can go in and I can say, you know, um, maybe we, we uh, reduce the texture a little bit on your skin so that it looks a little like not, not de-aging, but it just looks a little more flattering while still, you know, retaining texture and looking like, like actual skin um, or, you know, whiten your teeth a little bit or darken your eyebrows. And all of these things are things that you would have to do in a painstaking fashion. And all the things that I just described, you can do in a single click or maybe five clicks. You can like do a portrait edit on somebody and it will take 30 seconds. And that is amazing. And then you can take that, that same thing that you've just done and copy it to all the pictures of you from our, our photo session that we had, even if in, you know, the third or fourth frame you were turned a little bit or, you know, you shifted your weight. And so you're, you know, off, off center or whatever. And it, it just does that. So, when you say, are there any AI features? Uh, this is like the big one that I think is changing how a lot of people do editing. And, and that applies to, you know, uh, skies. It'll look for 
uh, individual objects. You can like paint around a car and it'll just select the car, things like that. <laughs> there no, I go again. I, no, not no. I've, I'm I'm tempted. Yeah, I'm going to go here. Does this detract okay. from the skill needed to use Lightroom to produce images, or is this another one of those cases where the the tool is just getting better for the folks who know really how to use it and know the theories behind what what makes a good looking portrait, what makes a good looking photo? Um, I think the answer is going to thread a little bit between those, meaning that the tool is better. It's actually better for people who don't necessarily know, uh, like more specific, like again, let's say portrait retouching, um, for people who, who don't really know how to do that. This gives them a way to do that. Um, actually portrait retouching is a really good example because, um, and uh, I want to be clear, there's like multiple levels of portrait retouching for people who are like, like the highly skilled retouchers, the people who are doing, uh, you know, fashion uh, magazine covers and, and billboards and things like that. That is on another level. That is, is complicated Photoshop work that can make fabulous results if you know what you're doing and if you're highly trained. What this does is this gets you, I would say, uh, people might quibble, but like it gets you like 75% there so that, um, you know, you doing, I mean, even a fashion shoot, but maybe it's a fashion shoot that's going to be online, or maybe it's, you know, you're, you're photographing your family or, um, you know, you have, I don't know, a few different friends or whatever, you can get really good results without having to know all of that real high-end retouching stuff. And you can al always, you know, sort of kick that over to Photoshop and do some more, more fine detail work. But, you know, like just dealing with, with, with skin softness and things like that, it used to be that you had to go to Photoshop and you had to use multiple layers. You had to blur a layer and mask it and just all sorts of things. And now this just makes it, better and it makes it easier to make it better and it makes it quicker to make it better. And I think the quicker is actually the biggest part because you can get really good results and not have to spend as much time doing it. So let's say, let's say you are, um, you're a photographer and you've shot an event. Um, you're going to have to, you know, go through a whole bunch of images of different people, find which ones, uh, are, are, are good make some edits. You don't have to then sit down and say, all right, now I need to paint out this person, or now I need to get the brush tool and make sure that I'm hitting every strand of hair that, you know, is peeking out of the, the bottom of their hat or whatever. Uh, this is something where you can just say, select the subject, make the subject a little bit brighter, make the contrast a little bit uh, sharper, um, fix the the color so that it's consistent, and then move on to the next thing. And for some photographers, like that is huge. That can mean you getting done with an event and being able to go home at you know eleven o'clock rather than having to finish the job at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning. 
So it's it, it's that kind of stuff. I, I like your candor about the fact that you're not saying that this can replace, you know, the the uh, the super high end retouching yeah. artists. Um, but it also gets it, you know, well, you said 75% of the way there. I'm sure that people would say, you know, 5 or 10% either direction. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The, point, the point is that, you know, for, the, for the, the folks who are not creating billboards, this can get you some really amazing results. And yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Of, and yeah, go. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no. I, as I say, I mean, you know, I've, I am, also a photographer, I've done professional work and I've, you know, I've used Lightroom and delivered professional results on it. Um, you know, not just family shots or whatever. Um, you know, like, I mean, for example, um, I did a, a photo shoot for my alumni magazine and, um, you know, that ended up being like a two page spread and the edits that I did, they looked great. Like the the guy that I was shooting did not need the high end professional retouching um, because it was more um, not journalistic, but it was more like it wasn't fashion, right? Like 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 fashion is a completely different beast. Um, but like, could you use this for wedding photography? Yeah, I think you absolutely could. And that's that's sort of like borderline fashion, but it's also great because if you have just done a wedding shoot. You find the images that are that you want to use, then you can set up. I mean, you can like build presets so that you're not having to touch every single image in the way that you want to retouch it. But you'll also know that even if the subject moves around the frame, that what Lightroom will do is it'll just recompute. Okay. I know that there's a person there and I know that this is the person's face and this is where the person's eyes are. So in this other image, I'll apply these same settings in the correct places and then move on to the next image and the next. And that's, sorry. And that's just the masking. Um, Another like big AI based thing that came out uh, in the most recent build um, Actually, it came out like literally right before the book went to press. So we 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 got it into the book. Um, is there's an AI based denoise feature, and what's great about this is if you have high ISO images that tend to be noisy, sometimes those are just you'd either have to just accept the noise or you just couldn't use the image. And this denoise feature does a really good job of cleaning that up and still retaining detail. Or say, for example, you have an old image shot on a you know lower resolution, less capable sensor camera, and you could apply denoise and get a really good result out of it. That, that kind of thing. Jeff is back next time to talk more about his Compendium Lightroom book and why it's so important to understand what's going on under the hood when you apply certain effects, as opposed to just following along with the steps. That's next time on Rack Voices. We'll see you then. As always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit MacVoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page And get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, 
Consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.